0: For almost 20 years, Diabolic DVD has been the source for horror, cult, and weird cinema to customers around the world. Diabolic offers a one-stop shopping experience for one of your favorite labels, including Cauldron Films, Arrow, Synapse, Severin, Mondo Macabre, and many, many more from all corners of the globe. Whether you're looking for the definitive version of Suspiria or trying to upgrade your crusty old DVD of Cannibal Holocaust, Diabolic is the owner-operated small business choice you've been craving. Shop online at DiabolicDVD.com and visit our sister company, Cauldron-Films.com. Remember, that is DiabolicDVD.com. Diabolic, D-I-A-B-O-L-I-K, dot com.
1: Tonight's episode is also brought to you by Fright Rags. Fright Rags has been bringing you the best in horror apparel and accessories since 2003 offering a wide range of products for your favorite creature features slasher flicks and cult classics collections include the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Universal Monsters Night of the Living Dead, Creepshow, Twin Peaks, The Evil Dead and so many more. Brand new this week is their collection for John Carpenter's The Thing featuring the highly requested reprints as well as all new shirts, long sleeve shirts, and lounge pants. Grab them while they last. All officially licensed and available now at Fright-Rags.com. Colors of the Dark listeners get 10% off when they use the code COD10 at checkout. Again, that is code COD10 at checkout for 10% off at Fright-Rags.
0: Severn Films presents the EuroCrypt of Christopher Lee eight Blu-ray box set featuring new scans of 60s classic Castle of the Living Dead, Crypt of the Vampire, Sherlock Holmes and the Deadly Necklace, Torture Chamber of Doctor Sadism, The Long Lost Challenge, the Devil, and the Never Aired Anthology Series Theater Macabre, hosted by Lee, plus a new 88-page book by Jonathan Rigby. Pre-order now at www.severn-films.com and follow Severn Films on social media for details of their forthcoming releases, including The Dungeon of Andy Milligan. Box Ed, uh, UHD debuts of Alex de Iglesias' Day of the Beast and Perdita Durango, and Jodorowsky's Santa Sangre, new editions of Grizzly, Day of the Animals, Nosferatu in Venice, and more from several Films.
1: In 1979, the first issue of Fangoria was released into the world. It's been over 40 years and Fangoria is better than ever. Each issue bringing you a hundred pages of exclusive, carefully curated content honoring horrors past, present, and future. These articles and interviews will never be published online. So the only way to read them is by getting your hands on a physical collectible copy of your own. We can't give anything away because we want the experience to be a surprise, but we can safely say that you do not want to miss a single page head to fangoria.com now to learn more and to subscribe and while you're there make sure to enter promo code colors to save 25% off your yearly subscription that is promo code colors Welcome to Fangoria's Colors of the Dark. I'm your host, Rebecca McKendry, and with me is Elric Kane, who has a Guinness and is wearing some green tonight.
0: And uh, we have to now say the Rondo nominated Colors of the Dark.
1: Rondo nominated Colors of the Dark. Thank you. Not, for- not
0: bad for only 10 episodes. I, know. <laughs> I, like, I don't know if that's a default for our past work or if we're getting it for legit. Either way, we'll You take- know
1: what? I'll take it. I'll take it. We should actually promote that at some point. We stay- I,
0: well, that was it. That's about all I'm, I plan on doing was that <laughs> intro. Um, but thank you for whoever did that. Um,
1: very honored. To a be few uh,
0: behind the scenes a few years ago, we tried hard to win. We won one for Killer POV way back when, but we tried very hard a few years ago after a couple of very strong shockwave years. And I remember um, one of those years where you're like, oh, I really feel like this could be it. And then we lost to the twilight zone recap podcast yes. and after that moment i was like i'm never trying again for anything have you
1: even life. listened to the twilight zone recap i love, podcast. I love
0: twilight zone and i probably would like the recap but i was like i'm not trying anymore i'm done." oh
1: stop it. that <laughs> no anyway. um yeah the rondos thank you so much for whoever nominated us and um i'm thank honored you. just to be here so
0: uh oh, before we get you. on, it's your day. Uh I'm I'm My day. I claim
1: day. the entire holiday.
0: Well, I'm half Scottish, so this is meaningless to me. Uh I, I see all the green and I respect it, I drink my Guinness, but I'm just waiting for Scottish Day. Uh but across the water, whatever the fuck, the Highlands, um, is Irish it's Day, which is a very your very
1: cold, tumultuous uh, river, yeah. Uh, we, um, we
0: decided to not do anything Irish-themed in this episode. We're doing something totally different, but... <laughs> we talked
1: about it. Actually, I have one Irish movie. Wow. No, because I was we going to ask you.
0: We right, but I've got a curveball. Don't oh, worry. So, oh. so it, this will help you, because I was going to say to you in this first part... Anyway, by the way, she's Irish. That's all you needed to know. Okay. <laughs> uh, that was a whole gag build-up to she's being Irish. Um, but no, I was going to say to you, uh, just quick off the cuff, Rick, one Irish horror film to Rick the people without going in deep. One Irish.
1: Uh, the Hollow.
0: Okay. What do you like about the one?
1: Um, oh. I, I love The Creatures. I love Creature how it. it builds out The Creatures and the mythos of the Changeling and all of it. Um,
0: uh, let's give a shout out, by the way, because people at home might not pay as much attention as we maybe do. But I was looking over um, the last 15 years in horror and Ireland might be one of the strongest top Oh
1: my God, in the world yeah.
0: which is pretty crazy because I actually have about five favorites from there just in the last decade that I would put in my top 15 of the decade and Definitely. so so it's telling you a lot about what's getting funded there anyway I would I would probably recommend um Kieran Foy's uh, Citadel Citadel which is just one of those films that I still feel is very under the radar, but it's an inner city uh, kind of version of the brood uh, based very much on personal things that happened to him. So it's about, you know, kind of uh, ag- is it agoraphobia where you don't want to go outside? Yeah. that's
1: agoraphobia. yeah
0: Agoraphobia, but mixed with the brood and these kind of demon kids. It's just a really good film. And it has used to always be on Netflix. So I don't know where it is anymore.
1: Yeah. And I got to say, there's another one on Netflix called moth diaries. It may not be there anymore, but it was there for a while, which I don't think got much play here, but it was yeah, really, it's great. It's great. Yeah. So that's another one. that I We'll do a about.
0: whole. I want to do a whole like um, at some point, I think where we go like around the world, like with one movie. Maybe it's a series of a month where we go one um, movies from one film from every different country and we mm-hmm. try to cover the globe. Anyway, we'll get to that. But that was our ice day. Hope you enjoyed that. Moving on.
1: Well, we're, we're not headline. <laughs> at one point, we had talked about doing Irish horror films, so I started watching, and I got one film in before we shifted gears.
0: Wait, so, that was meant to be your choice just then. I thought I that's.
1: Know, I know, but I, this isn't like I'm not going to recommend this one. I will. Oh,
0: say, okay, say, okay, okay. Well, but, save it. Why don't we save it for when we do our new films, and that can be okay. One of new
1: deal. Because
0: um, the only other thing we need to talk about before that is uh, we still have a screening. We have a screening
1: coming up this month, end of the month on Friday, the 26th. Thank you. Oh, same day I get my COVID shot. I'm excited. Oh, shit. Me too.
0: And we might both, I've always heard the second shot.
1: I've (laughs) heard it. I heard it kicks your ass on the second day, but it'll be the first day. So we're either going to be on like peak form because we're happy. Or it's going to be the wackest. Miserable.
0: It'll be like Messiah of Evil. It's the movie <laughs> which is the movie we're showing. Uh, we don't need to talk about it here now because we talked about it on our seventies episode last week.
1: Yeah, but guess what? We're screening it at the end of the month via USC. So if you have not seen USC yet, this is the perfect chance to see it. it is join us um, for this live screening on the twenty sixth. You can find details on our socials. Star RSVP through USC. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a trip. I love this movie so much. And we Make did sure talk about it.
0: We did, yeah, week. we did. It was both a number two or three somewhere in there. Make sure you watch Howard the Duck first uh, just to prime yourself. They're very similar. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> there is a connection there. You'll find it when you dig. Um, and the only other thing I'd say before is I went to Phoenix this weekend. I was in a movie theater for the first time in one full year. Oh, Miss um,
1: Monty. It, yeah.
0: Well, it was fun to see a bunch of people, but it was, it was very controlled. There was only about 10 or 12 people all screened people we knew and it was a private rental but it was to say goodbye the film bar uh phoenix uh that location is closing down um through the pandemic but they are gonna you know stay alive and hopefully find another venue oh, i that's got to great. show i showed two of my favorites i showed Vic with clue gilliger by say which i probably raved about here in arabata which i've made you watch before yes
1: <laughs> uh, great. which is
0: very, which was a weird one to show at 11 at night <laughs> it, like it was getting to be like 12 ish and i was looking around going this is a hard hard one at this time because it is very serious very arty and very weird but it made for good conversation so thank you if you're listening to this and you stuck around in the rain with me and monty after that and we talked about this movie i appreciate you and that was my first time in a movie and i love it i love movie theaters <sighs> i will as soon as i have a second shot and feel like it's not too crazy i look forward to being back
1: oh so do i so i will see you with the new bev soon i hope
0: I hope so. I hope that opens yeah. up. But um, yes, let's jump into new movies. Okay, or, so or new <laughs>
1: movies. Um, You know what? I will start off with my Irish one.
0: Yeah, start so with this your Irish isn't,
1: This isn't a new movie. It was just a rewatch for me. But I decided to rewatch Shrooms from 2007. Because mm, when I was looking over a list of Irish horror films, I saw this pop up and I remembered watching it in 2007, but I couldn't remember much about it. So I decided to give this one a rewatch. It is an Irish horror film about a couple of American kids who decide to come to Ireland to hunt for psilocybin mushrooms, which first off is really stupid because that shit grows all over. Um, So I was kind of like, that seems like a long way to go just to get some trippy mushrooms, but fair enough. Okay. You could probably order them off the internet, but whatevs, maybe not in 2007. So cool. They go to Ireland. They get into the deep woods of Ireland. It's very green. It's very lush and you can't see very far in front of you. And then they all take these mushrooms and start tripping, and then a slasher shows up, hmm. and um, there's all of these legends surrounding it. Now do they use trippy
0: them- imagery to go with yeah. the shrooms, okay. so that's
1: the whole thing. Is well, it starts off. One of them eats a death bell mushroom, which I don't know how you do because they don't look anything like psilocybin. But I'm getting way too detailed here, hmm. so fine. She eats the wrong mushroom and she like nearly dies, but she comes back. This all happens within five seconds. But when she comes back, she suddenly gains this like telekinetic power where she can see into the future and sees the killer killing her friends. Mm-hmm. And so she keeps trying to say, like, we have to get out of here. This guy is coming to kill us. And then they're all like, no, girl, you tripping. You just ate that death mushroom.
0: So you it's a just precognitive trough. shroom.
1: She gets pre, yeah. It's like it almost kills her, but it instead she becomes right. precog. Okay.
0: Um,
1: and then she's like, "I'm not going to eat anymore." But then all of her friends do. But then the killer actually shows up. Um, you know, I gotta say that the fetish of having somebody stalk somebody while they're on shrooms kind of wears off by the third kill. Like for the first two, I was like, This is a cool device. I see what you're mm. going for there. He looks like a wiggly tree, but he's actually a man with an axe. Um, but by the third one, it the sheet kind of wore off. And I was like, I get it. They can't understand, and there we go. I suspect
0: um, you lasted longer than I would have.
1: I, I made it through the whole movie again. Yeah. So yeah, there was yeah, there were parts of this movie that I liked. I remember why I kind of liked it the first time was the acting was decent. There are some mm. really fun actors in it. Um usually I I'm a little, you know, I'm not huge into slashers just because I always find the like teens going camping or teens in the wood trope to be a little painful. I actually like some of the the situations and the acting in this, um, which is what kept me interested before. Um, but I have to say, as far as Irish horror films go, this was not one of my faves. It's definitely it's 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 for completionists. It's middling.
0: That was, that was a leprechaun <laughs> that got his balls pinched in a vice, but that's okay. Um, that
1: is Shrooms from 2007, which you can rent for $1.99 on Amazon Prime. Or actually, I, I think it may be Prime. I'm pretty sure I didn't pay for that one, actually.
0: I, w- I will not, but I just had a vicious flashback that I was meant to watch that your rock alien movie this week so i'm gonna have to do it for the next one because we had just too many titles to get through this week we did so I, yeah, I apologize yeah. if you're listening to this in our facebook group just to update people there was a campaign um that 76 people took the box to. they're meant to get to 100 but i felt bad for uh, the there was the more
1: temp- on twitter and i have a feeling okay. that if we combine twitter and facebook 100 people would have wanted you to watch voyage of the rock they,
0: alien they ain't the rondo one. award-winning numbers whatever it was well, voting for me to w- w- watch the v- v- voyage <laughs> of the rock alien um <laughs> but i will i promise I will. I just.
1: I up. am gonna figure out how Sling works. Oh, I we'll have no together. idea. Just so I can watch this with
0: okay, you. Okay, that'll be fun. Uh, that's. I'm more into that because then I can uh, drink again. Anyway, hey, here's a here's here's a cool connector. My new movie is Irish. That was unplanned. I did not realize that. Um, okay, so sun by s o n there's the a lot of them. Ivan one. Kavanaugh. yeah, so this is Ivan Kavanaugh and um and and this is you know speaking of favorite Irish films, one of my favorites of the last few years, um and I know Turk definitely felt the same back in the day because I think he might have even picked it up for the orchard back in the day uh, was a film called The Canal, and it was yes. a very dark and had like hints of misogyny and just yes, it's it a did. very... But it, but it was also a very fulci esque. It's it definitely one of the creepiest looking horror films I've seen in years. And that one, I'm I'm kind of due for a rewatch. But I always liked that a lot. So I was very curious what he would do next. This is his his follow up, and stylistically, it's it's got all the goods, just like that film did. Uh, the story starts strong. And I think you'd really like that. Starts with a barefoot girl in a long dress and in her teens uh, in the rain at, like running down the street and into a diner and hiding out. And then these men come and they're chasing her down and you realize she's pregnant, doesn't want the child and has escaped a cult. And th- then she ends up, uh, I think having the child right then I forgot on the start. And then it cuts to, you know, 10 years later or whatever. And she's raising this kid as a single mom. She's very young. It's the young, it's the youngest daughter, in Halloween remake, um, ah. Andy Metichek, so like yep. the lead, basically, um, and she uh, has this child, and and you know it's it's a fine opening, and I was like, okay, this is fun, and then the, where it gets really cool is one night she comes home and he's asleep in bed, and she pushes open his door, and there's about twenty people standing around his bed as he sleeps, all looking up at her, and no one will believe they, you know, she then yells at them, they end up escaping, and no one believes her, cops don't believe her, cop is Emil Hirsch from Autopsy of Jane Doe. He's a little out of... I love him as an actor, but he's a little out of place as a cop in this, I thought. Um, anyway, no one will believe that they were there, but we don't know what they did to him while they were there. They did something, but we don't know what it is. And then as the story, I won't go into it too much more, but as the story develops, we realize that cult believed that he is going to be, you know, the heir to the devil or something like that. And now her her own son, she has to decide if he's something's wrong with him. There's a lot of cool gore scenes and there's a lot of actually really cool stuff. The problem is the story completely comes apart as it's going. It's just one of those movies layer by layer, you're going, I don't think the story is really coming together even though scene by scene there's some really good stuff in it. So it's definitely watchable. I think it's well made, but it didn't all to me come together in the end and it's just well, it's just sometimes that happens you know with, the, with an idea and and every other element is there, but that element just couldn't maybe hold kind of the, the size of this idea. But I do recommend people check it out for themselves because he is still one to watch in my mind that is Sun son.
1: Excellent. Okay, next up for me, I loved this movie. Hmm. So this is one where I had seen parts of the first one, and this is the Quatermass franchise.
0: All right. See, I've never seen any of it, and I've always wanted to. So so.
1: I had seen parts of the Quatermass experiment, which is the very first film. There's four Mm -hmm. in the series.
0: And The Pit, right, is one?
1: The Pit is the third, and that's the one I watched. And I watched it um, for – I was doing an interview, and they had – on Apocalyptic Movies, and they listed that as, like, one of the ones they wanted to ask questions about. And I was like – you know what, I should watch this. And so I still have to see the second and the fourth, but I watched Quatermass in the pit for the first time. Hmm. This is from 1967. This movie has fucking everything. I, it's just like they took every horror film ever made and put it into one movie. Okay. Oh, cool. I'm going to try to condense is it hammer? the plot. Hammer? It is, I actually, yes, it is hammer. I hammer, they're hammer. okay. Um, yeah, they're hammer. So I'm going to take the plot and I'm going to try to convince, condense it into a minute. And I don't even know if I can do this. They are digging a subway tunnel under London. They find bones. They call in an anthropologist who says, these are the oldest bones ever discovered. They're 5 million years old. These are the um, remnants of man before man. So it's like prehistoric man. And so, but then they also find this giant thing that they think is metal. They think it's an unexploded German bomb that kind of like rooted itself in the ground. So then they bring in the military. The military says, no, this isn't a weird bomb. This thing's weird. This isn't metal. It burns me. What's going on? Then there starts being poltergeist, okay? So things are flying around and there's ghosts and all this stuff. And then we bring in Quatermask. And Dr. Quatermass is like the Indiana Jones of science um, where he shows up and he's like, ah, yes, it could be a bomb, but it could be something else. Like he definitely has like this expanded thinking thing going on. And then they discover these giant insects inside. Mm. They discover another planet, another planet. the insects probably came from another planet. They cause more poltergeists. Some of the people who touch it get telekinetic powers where they are then able to see the entire alien race of bugs who happen to be having a genocide. So some of them came to the, um, um came to earth. They caused the entire human race to mutate and eventually created the human race. And then people perceive them as Satan. And thus all of Christianity was born. The end. Wow. Oh and then at uh, the end the world ends.
0: Is is uh what is that one Rain of Fire? Is that connected? Remember that Matthew McConaughey film cuz they dig in the subway there <laughs> and dragons come out and I'm like, "What's going on in London?" So, if this is
1: This was the most bonkers movie and it had crazy fun effects.
0: Is Peter and- Cushing in this as a doctor or something?
1: Uh actually no, one. I don't. I think okay. Peter Cushing is in this one? Bang. If he is, Bang. it's a very small part. Okay. Um, who, he's not one I want one to of,
0: you look up who Dr. Quatermass is then, because that makes so, me so. Yes, curious.
1: Dr. Bernard Quatermass um, is very. He is very much the Indiana Jones of science, where the the military guys are in there, like it has to be a bomb, it must be a bomb, and he's like, you might think that, and then he just stands back and chuckles, like he's just so badass with a giant beard. Oh, it's directed and, uh, by
0: Roy Ward Baker, and he made a lot of good movies. So
1: yeah, so this there's so much shit being thrown at the wall in this movie to see what sticks. And it's such a convoluted plot, but I had such a good time. And then yeah, when Satan good. showed up, I was immediately like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. But Satan right. is looming above. Uh, Tell uh, me no
0: more. Market, I, I right. am going to watch this movie no matter what. That yes. I'm going to borrow your one. Cause,
1: it was so fun. Uh, I've always
0: heard all of them are good. I, know, I, I don't know why that one skipped me back in the day. It's just like, I guess it's generational a little bit. Because I've yeah. heard a lot of people, the generation above ours always cite that as My- the best hammer.
1: My mom loved the Quatermass yeah. films, but she didn't equate them as horror. She equates them as science fiction. Um, so as soon as I'd posted up that I was watching the Quatermass film, she was like, I've seen every one of those. You wouldn't watch them when you were a kid. Um, and I probably wouldn't. And so, yeah, but this, it was just an absolute trip. I have the fancy schmancy blue, which I think was put out by screen factory did Quator uh, Quatermass in the pit cool. blue. And oh, it was, it was lovely.
0: I'm going to watch them in order. Um, Okay, well, I have sci-fi horror, so that's good. We're we're in we're in league here. Uh, A new film that I really want to recommend to people very highly. uh, This to me shows off what he, uh, the promise he showed in the Father's Day segment of Holidays and the that was my my
1: favorite
0: one. Oh, by far, and it's actually one of my favorite anthology entries. Period. Like, just, yeah. it's a great short. Um, and that has come true, a new film by Anthony Scott Burns, a.k.a. Pilot Priest. And I know he listens to the show, um, and we've talked a lot in the past. But, um, you know, and he has made a follow-up I had feature. I no
1: idea he was fucking Pilot Priest.
0: He is Pilot Priest, yeah.
1: That is the He tribute- is the
0: composer, musician, yeah. That's his jam.
1: Wow. Um, yeah. I-, I only knew him as the filmmaker behind Father's yeah. Day. That's no, the pretty wildest cool. thing you've ever. He made
0: seen. one we talked about. I think it was called Our House a couple of years ago, and it had a lot of good visuals, but it was like one of those stories where it just didn't feel like they it all came together. And for me, this one is the one that brings it together. It's uh, I've got a new term for you. It's part of a Canada Canada Bergian. Uh, filmmaking site. So from now on, anything that's and but made in Canada is going to be called Canada, Canada, I can't even say it, Canada-Bergian. I, I thought I was so clever and I can't even say it. <laughs> the anyway, the Can- Canada-Bergian film, uh, Visionary Indie, uh, it's low budget. I read something saying he made it with a handful of people, like five people. I don't, it doesn't. It's not an indie in that way. It feels big. It feels. I mean, it feels intimate, and uh, but it doesn't feel like a, a no budget, low budget movie. Um, it's very visionary, very beautifully shot. He's also the DP. Um, it is a young girl. She's. I really loved her performance too. Julia Sarah Stone. I wrote, wrote her name down. She just looks different. Um, she is in her last year of high school. She is. Um, sleeping in parks because she doesn't want to go home to her mom. She breaks into the house at night, grabs stuff and then leaves again. Her mom's always wonder, you never really get the full story, but she has these really intense nightmares that are really kind of um, pretty scary. And it's almost like she's seeing another world, like another Lovecraftian kind of world where you're slowly going into almost a temple and seeing this dark figure at the end of it. And she keeps seeing it. She ends up um, to make some extra money joining a sleep study at the science lab at a university and i was watching this with our friend monty and about 40 minutes in cuz it's pretty you know slow burn in a good way for the first 40 minutes and it's like imagine if this was a stealth Hellraiser sequel right now. It would be the best ever because, because you forget all that. But the problem with um, reboots is you don't actually need anything to happen. They want something to happen in the first five minutes right, of a reboot yeah. but you actually don't need it because we know what it is. <laughs> if we know it's a Nightmare on Elm Street, we know Freddy will get there eventually. If Hellraiser's there, we know the Cenobites will get there eventually. So you could actually take an hour before revealing them if you wanted to. And so that's what it kind of fits. And that's like.
1: why you're never going to be a development executive.
0: Uh, I'm just saying and that would be a better can movie. You
1: have a Freddy movie if Freddy does not show up in the cold, oh. Open.
0: Yeah, but it'd be a better movie. That's what I'm saying. Like, if this was that, and, it, and that's what's cool about it, it feels like that. It's not like Sadar, which is also kind of a handmade film, right? That is a different kind of film. This feels big, and it felt like he was bringing us into another world. And so eventually, a bunch of people are doing this dream study. They're all having the same dream, they're all seeing that same imagery. And the main guy running the sleep study had that same imagery when he was a kid, and that's why what made him do it. But in the sleep study, they can film the dream, create, bring visual images back into our world of what you saw and what happens when they show her one of those images, she has a total fucking meltdown because you can't, I guess the idea is that you're not really meant to look at something from your subconscious so it's playing with dream stuff and it's all lo-fi like super lo-fi imagery and they are really creepy. They are—it's like this bald guy with glowing eyes who slowly comes towards you, very you know, in that Slenderman mm-hmm. kind of way, almost like um, Pinhead too. But it is very creepy. I don't want to go too much into into where it goes. It goes to surprising places. It's scary in some parts, but also like like kind of fun and you know a bit more sci-fi. It's pretty out there too. It makes some big swings. There's a little bit with the relationship stuff that I know some people online having struggling with. I didn't really like that stuff as much as the rest of them. It just didn't land with me. I didn't necessarily have time to believe a. Budgeting romance, but it, that didn't—that wasn't enough to t- to take me out because I just to me it's like bold swings like this. Uh, I think are what I love about indie cinema because yeah. it doesn't feel small. It feels like he's doing something. So uh, get on that Canada Bergian trip, and, um, and that is called Come True. Uh, and it's one I think I'll watch again because I, I think it's a talking point.
1: Yeah, this sounds great. Okay, you've sold me on this one. Oh, the next one. Um, God, I wanted to love this film. Okay, so the setup for this one, um, when I read this, I was like, holy shit, the universe made me a movie. Uh And this is this movie called The Devil Below. It's a very recent release, I think just within the past couple of weeks. Hmm. And the setup is that in the coal tunnels, abandoned coal mine under Appalachia, there is some type of creature... Feasting on those above, Appalachia.
0: Oh my god, this all sounds like stuff you've told me before in real life.
1: Immediately, I was like, "Holy shit, it's tremors in my hometown!" And I was like, "Tremors in Appalachia. I am so there."
0: You'll feel better because tremors will come up again today. So if you, I
1: know, I know, we'll get there. Okay, you'll be okay. Um, this is directed by Brad Parker, who had done Chernobyl Diaries, which, admittedly, I did not really um it wasn't oh, my fave, one. but I thought it was because it was found footage. Ah. Um, and this was kind of at the tail end of the found footage stuff. And I, I was definitely not having found footage by that point. Um, so this, and, and he has done second unit directing and a ton of special effects on stuff. And I do have to say, it wasn't the direction that bothered me so much. What I've discovered bothered me about this film, which I should have loved because it is, it is monsters in the coal tunnels in Appalachia. This movie is, is dead serious. Mm. It is serious like they are shooting Saw-grade serious Mm. about monsters in the coal tunnels under Appalachia. And what I discovered watching it is that most of these giant monster movies that I love dearly don't take themselves that seriously, even if they are serious. Tremors has very serious moments, but it does not take itself seriously for the entire movie. Anaconda, Godzilla... Jaws, the host, they all have this mix of kind of lightness and developing likable characters before they have to have the shitty situation and the real situations. This is like saw with creatures under Appalachia. Um, so the creatures, they're men in monster suits, which I have to say, some of them look pretty cool. They did the old trick where, um, the characters, when, when the creature bites you and injects some type of like hallucinogen, I think it's like a paralytic. Um, so you never get to see them that clearly because it's always like blurry as the characters are coming true, trying to see what bit them. There's stuff in this movie that I, I wanted to um, put into a different film. So, But that was kind of just my biggest thing is it is dead serious. Like if you watch Tremors and you were like, they're clowning around too much, this is the one for you. Um, I, I wanted it to be a lot. I wanted it to not to take itself as seriously. Um, but that I, said- I, I, who I could believe- kudos for practical effects they did do men in monster suits and so i will give them accolades for that
0: like and i know with you it probably is the case because i do know you like you know the tinge of humor but sometimes i think that too and then i'll see a movie and go because i like serious stuff sometimes but then i'll be like oh it's not the seriousness it's that the characters aren't good
1: I think that's the character. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, a good,
0: you know, A24 movie could have a good character and suddenly I care versus that same kind of setup where it's all very serious, but you don't, the characters aren't well formed enough to get it into.
1: Every single one of these characters was heavily flawed to the point where mm-hmm. they all had monologues where they were like, it was seven years ago that I was scaling the backwoods and then I had to cut off my friend's own leg. And I'm, you, I'm you paraphrasing get one quint. here. But
0: you get one Quint. You don't get they, many Quints.
1: They yeah. were all Quint in this yeah. movie. Um, and that's where I say dead serious. Cause they were all coming in with that level of like, I've seen some shit baggage or I did this horrible thing, or this is my mortal fear. And so that definitely made it a little bit more loaded to the point when the monster showed up, I was kind of like, Oh, I, this is very serious getting into this.
0: Let me give you some fun then. Oh, okay. This actually, I think you'd enjoy this. This was a very light one. I'll be very brief on this one. Um, this film that was from last year, and I remember seeing the cover. I almost plush play many times, and I was looking for an eighty-minute movie uh, over this weekend because we were as late at night. And me and Monty were like, "We can fit in one more." Um, and it's called Villains, and it's by uh, Dan Burke and Robert Olson. Have you seen this? I have
1: had this on my queue for a year, okay.
0: dude. The acting is phenomenally fun. This is Bill skarsgård as in it, right? He's, it's him and Micah Monroe from The Guest and It Follows, right? So I love her. They are a couple kind of like Raising Arizona at the start. That's even almost the tone, like over the top, robbing, robbing a 7-Eleven. They're real goofy. Like Bill is completely lovable and they're like, let's take the money. They get in their little car. They, they're on the road and the car breaks down the middle of the woods and they're like, fuck. And he's like, uh, oh, there's a house. Let's go to the house. And so they're the criminals. They're the bad guys, in quote marks. They break into the house. Beautiful, lush mansion. Uh, they are robbing some stuff. No one's home. They go down into the basement, and there's an eight-year-old girl chained to their radiator uh, and locked in. They're like, And he's like, uh, oh, we gotta go. And, his, and Micah is like, uh, no, we need to free her. And he's like, uh, no, we really gotta go. And then the couple come home. And it's played by, if you ever saw Burn Notice, his name's Jeffrey Donovan. He is fucking amazing in this movie he's he's like very suave kind of perfectly perfect little mustache vincent price looking and he's kind of a a very much a gentleman type guy even though you know he is probably a psychopath uh and kira sedgwick who's also great you know uh, kevin Bacon's wife and a really great actress uh and they come in and they're just the most fucked up weird couple you don't know what they're saying oh we just keep our daughter here occasionally when she's bad like you don't know what the story is and then it just becomes a back and forth you know, will this couple that are criminals, but we really like them, be able to get out of here, or are they all going to be killed in this house? And it was not a single moment of seriousness. Kind of goofy, but r- totally lovable. Like it was a real surprise. Like it, you know, it's not like some four star movie, but they do everything at a four star level. Like you can't fault a single beat of the performances, the script. It's just a film you've seen this kind of movie a million times, but this is a very good version of it. Um, so I wanted to put on if someone's looking for that light touch movie uh after something else this was really fun i've got to say it's called villains and it was on amazon i believe prime maybe um but i love michael monroe too i mean it's fun to see her because you know she's great and it follows as the lead and then she's really good uh in the guest but she's like you said very serious in those And this she reminded me of holly hunter because she's kind of like playing that character from raising arizona a little bit and it was fun to see her stretch a little bit um, but yeah good movie villains
1: wow Okay, well I don't have any others. I have a plug, um but well, I've got one that you oh, yes, one go.
0: one that okay. you're gonna talk about too. So because you've seen it <laughs> and I really liked it.
1: I know which one this is.
0: Yes, <laughs> I had never heard of this except you hearing you mention it and it sounded more like a dance party, so I kinda tuned it out. Um and then Dick wrote to me too, saying the same thing. I said, Isn't that the dance party Becca went to in the summer? And it turns out you didn't go anywhere. It's called yeah, the Block exactly. Island Sound. Um, directed by the McManus brothers and starring, I guess their sister. Cause the lead actress had mm-hmm. the last name. Um, so it's basically, I call this Manchester by Innsmouth or Manchester by the black sea, whatever you want. Yeah, it's basically exactly. Manchester by the sea mixed with a Lovecraft movie. Uh, and it was really cool. Like it yeah. was, I can see why some people are giving this low scores. I think they want more big stuff to happen, but it's very much, I put this very cerebral horror, like, very Definitely. much. So.
1: Yeah, the whole setup of this one is if um, and I, I haven't seen it since the summer actually, so I'm gonna let you do the plot. All I just remember one. it was yeah. it was brothers with a boating company and their dad is getting like uh, dementia. Brother and sister.
0: Right? So so the dad it opens with his dad on a boat and you don't and it looks like he's just woken up and he and that maybe he's killed the dog like the dog has been fed mm-hmm. into the water and you're like, What the hell? And he's got this great look and he just keeps wide mouth open and kind of making weird noises so something's taking him over you hear weird sounds from the radio weird sounds from the sea and then it cuts to his son who's like kind of looking out for him and looking after him then their sister comes back and she i think is something to do with aquatic species because she's out looking at all the dead fish on the on the sea and it's very boston feel i don't know where it's set but it feels that's why i said Manchester i, I would see, it feels assume like that. it's boston yeah um and even though the main actor the guy feels like he's from that kind of a movie um and Jim Cummings, is in this too, who we were just talking about, uh, Wolf of Snow Hollow. He's yeah. playing the, the local crank who believes in every conspiracy theory. It was fun to see him play something a little different. Um, and anyway, this the main guy eventually goes, uh, when his dad disappears, he goes and ends up in the water. Uh, and whatever happened to his dad happens to him. So we then slowly watch what's happening to him and what the central mystery is. And I'm not going to ruin it because it's one of those movies that only has a couple key kind of big payoff moments. But they yeah. are... So truly surprising when they happen, and and but it is really about some some otherness. Um, uh, it's a mixture of aquatic and cosmic car, I would say.
1: I viewed it as more cosmic, yeah, definitely. Like it happens to be on a boat, but yeah, mm-hmm. I I and that gives it the isolation, and it gives it the whole. Community and uh, you know a sector of the population that that definitely has a lot of texture to it and was really interesting to explore the whole kind of New England boating small family business community um but that said, like it for me, this was pure cosmic horror, and it was done on such a, a you know kind of lower budget with like three actors it was like yeah so it never
0: feels delivery. cheap it just <laughs> feels real it's shot like a realistic uh family drama but there's these bursts of things that happen um i think people like yeah. i was underwhelmed by and i know a lot of people liked it I, you might have even liked it more than me uh the beach house i think it was called um from I liked last year That
1: one a lot, yeah. right so
0: so the the parts where you would see the horror part of that i really liked but i just didn't believe a single part of the character stuff i didn't believe the world of that film this is complete opposite to me it's like it's like i love the effects of that movie this one really sells the feeling of these being real people and stuff's happening to them so uh, yeah give it give it a spin because it's on netflix and that's where it just landed on netflix a couple of days ago that's where i saw it so
1: yeah i well, saw this I, I think it was fantasia during the summer it was one of the festivals the online it was festivals
0: early because i had did. forgotten yeah yeah
1: it was i loved it though so i'm glad it's on netflix now
0: uh, hit us with your plug.
1: Yeah, so I was just gonna do a plug because there is so much good stuff that came to Shutter this month.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so I just uh, the big thing was I wanted to mention that the Devils was there. Um, just because. Oh, did we I, not
0: talk about that during the? Um,
1: I think we did briefly, but then I, I just saw that Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker is there. Yes, which is that is so fucking hard to see. Um,
0: yeah, so- it was a code red release, so that's never easy. I saw that movie. I'll because I remember. I don't remember if we brought this all the way back in Killer POV. POV, I think it was, but
1: that's when I first saw it was Killer POV because I'd never seen it before, and you guys were like, "Oh, it's like incestual creepy." You,
0: yeah. Well, so I saw that at like. First time I saw it, it was at two in the morning or something like that from one of Aunt Timpson's all-nighters and never had even heard of it. And just the way that movie opens with somebody being, you know, uh, a final destination moment with a log coming off the back of it, really grabbed me. It was one of those movies I've never, in Susan Tyrell's performance, and that is crazy. She's really good. Uh, anyway, if you haven't seen that movie, yes, we both double double thumbs up.
1: Yeah, um, and that one, and then Lucky. Um, yeah, which I still haven't by, seen, yeah. It's great, directed by Natasha, starring Bria, and then also um, some of my friends made Stay Out of the Attic, which just arrived, um, which I, I have not seen I want, I want yet. To. It just got there, like, two days ago, so I must admit I have not seen it yet, but I, I love the team behind well, we'll it. we'll do both of those um, two next. But I've been told Stay Out of the Attic is, like, throwback to old Grindhouse. I've seen a couple people have tweeted at me, like, you know how you miss Nazi's exploitation? here it is so um yeah so i'm definitely but they had some good stuff this week this month. So so yeah. okay
0: um that was our unofficial plug for shutter it
1: which, was
0: <laughs> which we're allowed and to do because they are the, Devils best, Devils
1: the best and nightmare maker and best Star, yeah.
0: channel out there definitely. so but I, I mean well i haven't actually joined arrow yet so arrow might give them a run but
1: i know. need to join arrow because i want to see eyes of crystal
0: and jill's movie
1: and jill's movie which, which was I number one
0: hear. apparently uh, on their streaming channel. So very That's
1: cool. the stylist. Yeah,
0: um, and the reason I think this is worth bringing up a couple times is because I feel a little bad for some of the filmmakers who sell their films to new networks because it might take a while before people realize that's where they go to see that movie. The same thing obviously happened to St. Maud because it went to Epics, And it's like, that's a very different thing than coming to just Amazon Prime or something. So you know, worth giving them shout outs and- uh,
1: Well, for a while, I mean, now it's a little bit different, but for a while that was Shutter because I remember when Shudder had first come out, the ring versus the grudge went mm-hmm. there. And mm-hmm. I remember talking about it on Killer POV and being like, this is just an absolute bonkers movie that everybody needs to see. Like, it is just an absolute blast. I had so much fun with The Ring versus The Grudge. And everybody be like, where is it? How do I see it? And at the time, shutter was in its infancy. And I remember so many people like, why are you plugging this movie that is only on this one thing that I have to pay this much for? And now we've accepted it. So, um, yeah. Well, and, horror and, and fans. Big
0: time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was their concentration on original programming that ends up tipping their success in my mind. Like it's obviously they had great catalog, but I really think it was the pickups and the, Original, I, th- so. I
1: really think that that's the the secret for every it VOD channel like a, yeah. is original programming. Give Own your IP. To see there that I can't see anywhere else. Original IP always.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's. I agree, and they're doing they're doing great. So, and
1: it's true. It's the reason that I end up joining things like Apple TV just so that I could watch The Servant yeah, and HBO Max just so I could watch Thirty Coins. And yeah, so a lot. Well, of
0: Speaking of which, let's let's make it our goal to both finish that by next show. I so we have got three. three-
1: episodes to go and it is so good i think Isn't i've
0: got it? five left or four but i i do want to finish it and tv i've heard that the part. final
1: episode is absolutely bonkers
0: okay we're gonna circle back to that two weeks from now that and voyage of the rock aliens yes <laughs> this is this is a pseudo uh
1: catch-up <laughs> episode
0: age. uh yeah uh okay get ready this thing we've wanted to do for a long time Okay, we're going to do
1: Western
0: <laughs> Horror. We are
1: doing Horror Westerns.
0: And that was interesting. People- Who puts the emphasis on what? I go Western Horror, you go Horror western.
1: Oh, it's always Horror Westerns.
0: They, they might mean different things.
1: So this, we first started talking about this. Um, I know I teach it as a, se- a day. It's a full day in mm-hmm. my horror class every semester. And I remember that last year, you and I had actually pitched it to do on um, screen drafts. That we wanted oh, yeah. to do a draft of horror westerns and we should re-mention that, by the way. Mm. Clay, we, we want to do horror this westerns. This
0: will basically be um, it though. <laughs> you're about you're about to hear what the list would more not or less be. In
1: order. Not in order, um, though, yeah. But this is something that Elric and I have connected on always, because I know we both love Westerns. Like both you and I, you know, have always had kind of like our sidebars about Westerns. Um, but then always come back to kind of the creepier ones on the side of it. So, did you yeah. grow up watching westerns? Because they were never off in my house. It's like the only thing that my my dad watched: Cannonball Run, any of like the rednecky movies, like White Lightning and westerns and that's all we watched
0: yeah no it wasn't i definitely wasn't because I, I was originally being raised by a mother and a sister and neither of them would have cared at all about a western uh the railway children was the first movie my mother made me watch when we got our first vhs so it definitely was not a, you could call it a western but it's boring as shit um uh, so no we didn't get many westerns much later for me was westerns but i was pretty drawn to them pretty you know early as a film fan but i think what's interesting about it now is like i'm thinking about westerns and everyone like carpenter all these people wish that had made westerns right mm-hmm. um, of that generation but it would be easier to get a horror western made now than a normal western and that's fact and that's what's funny about it it's like if it's you put true. the horror element you might get that made but you will not get a western made unless you're you know 0.001 percent of the filmmaker uh, out there who gets them made because there's really and like one a year if that
1: no. yeah and well westerns are one of those that it's just um when we talk about dead subgenres which are like subgenre or genres that we just don't do anymore spoofs is one spoofs kind of died out in the 90s with like the haunted house movies and um you know and
0: they'll uh, pop up of course yeah
1: they'll pop the game, up but yeah. right now it's a dead one until somebody redoes it westerns barely ticking right now. You're right. We get, like, one every couple of years. Yeah, this
0: year you get the big Tom Hanks one, which I still haven't seen News of the World, and, you know, it hasn't had as big a profile. But but it's, it takes one, like, Unforgiven to get people super jazzed for a few years, and then we got a few after that. But, yeah. uh, but horror's been steady. It's, like, every... It seems like every three or four years there's a couple really good ones.
1: We'll get a um, Bone Tomahawk or a Pale Door or a Burrowers yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and we, we'll, we'll
0: get into those. But I wanted to, like, you know, before we got into it, it was kind of like... What do you think the connection I mean there's obviously different connections. We've we've gone through two things I'll set up before we go to the titles. Like, one thing I wanted to stress was like when we we're talking about Westerns in the traditional West that are horror films, right? Mm-hmm. Versus uh, films set in a contemporary time that have Western elements versus actually being set in the old West. So Very different things. Obviously, a lot of them fall into the latter category. And then I want, then I separated at the end because I was just like, well, that's just interesting looking at these five. We'll be brief about it, but that they're all vampire films. Vampire,
1: vampire Westerns. Okay. Yeah. Vampire
0: yeah. Westerns I thought was real interesting. So we'll talk about that at the end so we won't hear that in the first grouping. But obviously, and we've got a couple like, you know, Western Westerns that some people wouldn't even call horror Westerns, but they clearly are. Yeah. Um, and so we'll look at that. But I so I'm curious, like, uh, for you, what do you think the interse- – like, why the intersection? Why do these two things cross? What do you- Where do you think some of that um, originates? Uh, because well, obviously think, myths were classic back
1: then. Yeah, the normal, I'd yes. say um, in the West, it definitely has this kind of chic to it. The idea of being isolated, mm-hmm. of being on your own. the Frontier. Danger, yeah. yeah, the frontier environment, the danger of everything, of feeling like at any moment there is doom closing in. And whether or not that was what the real West was like, it's the West that we understand in the movies. It's It's the myth, print the legend. (laughs) It's the same thing. I know that you were at the Eyes of Fire screening with me where they talked about the fear of everything that was not the town um, that people went through. That like as soon as you left your little fenced off town, anything could fucking happen. You could get attacked by a bear, You could get shot in the head or, you know, you could just fall off a cliff. It was just anybody's game. And so I think that that's a lot of what we feel in Westerns is this kind of unruliness and the constant risk for something to happen. It's also the idea of the unexplored frontier. And that is kind of the biggest thing that I see reoccurring as I was looking over these is the no one has stepped foot on this land in a long time or somebody who has been here before is much wiser than us and tried to warn us, but we didn't listen. And now we're stuck here in the shit because we didn't listen.
0: Um, right. So it's uh, each our journeys. The Western is a predicated on going to the frontier, the unknown, and 99% of horror films it's, are about going into the unknown of some yep. kind. And so like, I think that's a really interesting intersection. The The thing that's like um, disappointing going through them all, I kept thinking is like, You know, there's some that are taking little bits of Native American myth, but very minorly usually repurposing it. But it does feel like that would have been an interesting angle, given that you have all these, you know, people settling an area and they would hear stories and myths outside that you like Wendigo myths or whatever it is. I would love to see that version of these kind of stories, but from the Native American perspective, like those are the characters and and the white man who's coming in is the invader. You know, I've never seen that western, and I've never seen that that horror film. So, so, but so, even looking through these, you're like, they all have pretty similar uh, kind of demographics. So it's just it's interesting the patterns you do see uh, emerge. But there's there's some pretty, I mean, and we also have some tongue in cheek ones, some very serious. So I was thinking as we go through them, we should look at like what is the horror element, what is the western element, you know, what how it, does it make sense together, and if it is a comic, is it serious, you know, things like that. I think it's. It, you know, and and which ones we love because there's some real, I think, some real, and we both rewatched one in the last couple of days. I think it's a total gem. I agree. Yeah.
1: The one that it's the reason I rewatched it was I was like, I really want to push this as like a movie that if people have not seen, they need to. But let's kick off with one of my faves. Um, So much so that I sent you a billboard about it while I was driving cross country this past year. And that is. High Plains Drifter.
0: Yeah, I more or less put these in uh, numerical order, even though the second one's probably the same year or the year before. But this is Probably my favorite movie on the list, uh, and I it's see. one that, on a lot of ways, people. It's Clint, you know, it's Clint Eastwood. After acting in a lot of films, he started directing his own movies, and this one is uh, ultimately. It, it's nice because it almost feels like what an A twenty four version of a western would have been. You know, it's all exactly. like. Exactly. <laughs> is he a spirit or not? You know.
1: So back when Fangoria was doing its three hundred list, we were about to release our three hundredth issue of Fangoria. This is probably ten years ago now. And for the 300th issue of Fangoria, we decided that the whole staff was going to get together and we were going to put together a list of the 300 best horror films ever made. And it was fun because we made a list of about 500 and then we had to whittle it down and start arguing. And I remember arguing for High Plains Drifter and there was somebody else on the staff. I legit cannot remember who it was.
0: Summerman. No. It
1: wasn't. I know Sam would have supported me on this, but somebody was like, it's not a horror film. And I was like, oh, no, it's a fucking horror film. And they were like, no, no. It nuances that maybe they're in hell, but it's not a horror film. And and I won, and it was on the 300 list. Well, like
0: and that's the nice thing about some movies. It, it it You could read it as a straight Western. I don't think there's any planet where – where Clint Eastwood isn't a freaking vengeful spirit. I mean, he is a a vengeful spirit, you know, because he doesn't even look like the guy he was. So it's not like he's the same character. So it's basically a mysterious stranger just like all the things Clint was doing. Comes into this town where the previous sheriff had been uh, killed kind of by the negligence of this town um, and run out of town. And he comes back in and he paints the town red, literally. He ends up painting the sign saying hell. And he gets revenge on all these people. And he's an awful person. He does some horrible things to people, but you're totally on his side. And it's and it's quite disturbing at times. And uh, it's just it's I find it to be a really fun, cathartic movie uh, to to watch personally. But
1: it's basically like walking or um falling down or walking tall, walking where it's tall, like yeah. that, like man on a rampage. Yeah. Um, just mowing people down. But yeah, there's something kind of cathartic about it. There's heinous shit happening. I'll warn you in advance. Like, it's not a fun movie. But there is something really. But good. It,
0: is, it really does hint very strongly multiple times that it is a supernatural movie. And that's interesting for somebody like Clint, who didn't obviously put much of a foot in that world. Yeah. So so I think High Plains Drifter here. I haven't seen it. Great to put it on here because it's, it's gold. It takes us to another Western, Western. So that I consider Western, Western, but with horror, you know. This is uh, Cutthroats Nine, uh, a film I heard about you know, like a decade ago because I think it was on some Quentin. Tarantino In list. In
1: Fangoria. So uh, that's be, where yeah. it was. So when Django came out, we interviewed him for Fangoria and we did a list of his like 10 favorite horror fueled Westerns and Cutthroat's nine was his number one. And at the time his next movie, which clearly nuances Cutthroat's yeah. nine um, was not even like a brain baby yet. He would had just released Django and had not started on anything, but he wrote basically like a love letter to Cutthroats Nine in the issue. And that's the first time I saw it as well. And damn, that shit is brutal.
0: Yeah, and it's also a really good movie. Like I actually really like it as a film. It's got it's got a really cool hook. And it has a twist, like a really cool twist about like treasure that I've never seen. And I was like, I remember going, oh shit. So I'm not going to run that for you. Um it is a what we call a paella. I remember learning this term When I watch this movie, it's called a paella western instead of spaghetti because it's made in Spain and not Italy. So you have to call it paella. Um, And it's a bunch of bandits are being transported. Um, I think there's nine of them. Um, And (laughs) they crash. And uh, only a couple people, only them and the main guy uh, taking them across survive. And they are all chained together. So the whole movie is them being chained together, him trying to transport them and his attractive uh, young wife or girlfriend or whatever. And it is... I would I would liken it to the like uh, French extreme torture torture porn. porn. It has torture literal porn. gore. Like we're not just putting this in here because it's Western. It's a pure Western. But when they slash a throat, you see a throat slash. When they shoot somebody, the head explodes. When they, there's they're, eye they're, gouging. yeah, there's kind of a, a, a scene of like aggression to the woman that was I spit on your grave. So it's touching all these. Very extreme uh, horror trips that we're used to. And it's very nihilistic. It's all set in the snow, which is the coolest thing ever when Westerns are in the snow. Yeah,
1: um, we're going to talk about Snow Westerns. Oh, yes,
0: and yes, black. you're right. There's
1: another one coming up.
0: Yeah, which got some love earlier in the year. um But it, this is a really cool one. I'm not sure how, I've got a DVD of it. I'm not sure how hard it is to just see streaming, but I would really, re- if you haven't seen it, recommend this one highly because it's pretty fucked up, to be honest. <laughs> I watched the trailer again today, having not seen it in a while, and I was like, oh, yeah, damn, this is, even the trailer's kind of disturbing. <laughs> Uh, So that's Cutthroats 9, which leads us to the one that you were just talking about in the preamble. That
1: I mentioned at the start, and that is Eyes of Fire. And this is directed by Avery Cross 1983. And I guarantee that most people, if they look this up... They will see a VHS box cover and go, "Oh yeah, I fucking remember that cover." Yeah. And no one rented it apparently because most of us can't remember it. Elric and I saw this at a midnight screening of a very rare print. At where the hell were
0: we? It was in a family before it was done. Family,
1: yeah. yeah. And, um, and it was, I remember that there was maybe 10 of us in the audience, but it was an honor to see because I had never seen anything like this before.
0: And, and actually, you know, well, I'd forgotten so much because I always think of it like we usually we talk about it because it's a little earlier than most Westerns, right? It's like mm-hmm. probably the late 1700s or whatever, but it's like, it's a bit more like The Witch in terms of its setup, but then it does go more Western. It gets
1: more Western. But so Watching the
0: little- trailer was crazy because the effects, I, I remember us going in the time, but watching the trailer again today, I was like, oh, there's a lot of gore and a lot of. Weird effects and a lot and of A horror, lot, of, lot stuff. of
1: really cool demon effects. In yeah, this. It's fun. yeah. The whole setup is that this preacher has been accused of adultery. Not accused. He he is having uh, an affair with um one of his parishioners, and so they gather up like a group of people who are still on his side and don't care, and take off. And so he and all of his followers make their way through town, and then they happen upon. This really like isolated forest area where they find this like little town that's now deserted. And they go in and they discover that they are kind of surrounded by these evil forest spirits of um angry native american people who want their their village back and um, and it goes from there.
0: Yeah, it's like a mixture between that uh you know traditional native stories and witch type stuff and it, it, yeah. it but it's it's one that's kind of sucks because I can't really just watch it again very easily. I hope I hope at some point it gets cleared up how how to see this. I'm sure it's probably on YouTube, you know. Um but it, but yeah, again, I recommend it for its utterly bonkersness and it was a perfect midnight movie. It's a little slow oh, at the God. start, but then that it gets great. just wild. Yeah. Uh, okay, one of our favorite movies. Uh, Ravenous, both those, think, yeah, yeah Antonio Bird.
1: Rest in peace, Antonia Bird. Um, this one is one of those that you may not think of as a western immediately because it does not feel like a western because the whole thing happens in the snow.
0: Um, this is. I think, it feels like a civil war film. So, and the civil war think films think are often the start of the western.
1: Mexican American War. It um, be.
0: I always thought it was the Civil War. I make
1: century. It's not Civil War. Oh, you're right. You're right because um, right, it's probably. happening over on the the West Coast. Okay. Um, so it's not civil war. I want to say it's like Mexican American War, but I'm not exactly too sure where that is taking place geographically or time wise, because we don't have good history classes in America. Um <laughs> so yeah. Um I could tell you bare bones about each of the wars, but the more uh the the more detailed you get, I got nothing. And it and um, it's taking
0: off of the Donner Party a lot too.
1: Yeah, and so the concept is that it is these opposing forces during the war and this one um colon or captain who believes that if he eats his enemies, like if he actually cannibalizes, then he gains their their spirit. He gains their strength. And they're starving to death in the middle of this like snowy outpost and they can't get out of it. And they're kind of trapped there and so he decides to just kind of start eating everybody
0: yeah he comes um, late like they're all there as a military outpost Guy Pierce has been embarrassed in a different war and sent there kind of humiliated mm-hmm. and then it's um, Robert Carlyle from Spotting just shows up as a guy and he says oh we have to come help my other people so they mount a party to go help you know find his people and when they get there they find out that he was eating his people and then it gets really bonkers and the cool thing about this movie is it's one that I didn't love when I started in theaters I started in 99 and it wasn't what I wanted. Wanted from her i thought it was interesting but i i wanted scream at that point right in my life i was just yeah. into that and when i rewatched this this long time recently you know it feels pretty recently at the new bit i was just floored by how good it was i was like the music is quirky the music uh, it's by great. damon albarn yeah the the, so the film is quirky it's got a weird sense of humor but it's still scary which is a very unusual mix to be able to maintain and so yeah revenus comes with our uh absolute highest uh appreciation.
1: And David Arquette is really good in it. He's fun too, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And by the way, the Mexican-American War happened from 1846 to 1848. Yeah. That
0: makes sense because the Donner Party is close. Yeah,
1: to that, yeah, so. and it was the Mexican American War. I was not completely delirious. And there's
0: also um, Wendigo folklore on that one too. So, oh,
1: it's it's uh, pure Wendigo yeah, folklore. What well, he's drawing mixed from. into this western. I really like snowy westerns. I need. Oh, more
0: there aren't many. No, the, the best one is um. Uh, you start talking about the next one, and my favorite. I will uh, remind myself and the, the listeners because the name just left my brain.
1: So this is one that both Elric and I decided to rewatch this week because both of us were kind of like, yeah, this is like a really, we remembered it as being really good, but we could not remember much of it. And I couldn't just, remember the
0: horror at all. I, I would it totally didn't
1: get much love when it came out. I remember the first time I saw this was it actually was in that Fangoria 100 in film, 101 Films You've Never Seen book. And I remember buying that book. And being like, okay, well, I've never seen this one. And that is Dead Birds, directed by Alex Turner, written by Simon Barrett. This was, like I one think of
0: his that might be films. how I found it, because I think I'd seen one of his other films and was like, oh, and then I saw, oh, he made something called Dead Birds. And my memory was it was quite different, but this movie- has killer cast. Like it is all these great people when they're young, Henry Thomas from ET, Patrick Fugit, uh, uh, Michael Shannon, super young and Isaiah Washington. So these guys are all like young, uh, in this, they're all playing uh, bank robbers, a, a group of bank robbers, but yeah, this, this movie held up. And then some, I thought,
1: yeah, it's a group of, um, Confederate soldiers who have completely like defected. And instead they, I don't even know if they were actually soldiers to begin with. They're just wearing borrowed Confederate uniforms. I have a feeling, um, Rob a bank and hold them up in this um, abandoned plantation. And they're not too sure why it's abandoned. A dying soldier told one of the other men about it. And, um, oh, they are, they are actually soldiers. We get the flashbacks to when they were in the war. Mm, right. Um, so after they get out, they injured. Yeah, yeah, that's why, yeah, that's they why they, they do
0: it. Injured. I think, you know, it's like, and, fuck this.
1: yeah, fuck this. I was injured. So they, um, one of them's a nurse was his nurse. And so after they get out, one of the dying soldiers had told him about this abandoned plantation and they rob a bank, take a whole bunch of gold, accidentally shoot a kid on the way out, which they like legit feel bad about. And then they get to this plantation and they're like, we're going to stay here for the night. We'll start dividing up the gold and then we'll get to Mexico. We're going to cross there in Alabama. We're going to cross straight over into Mexico is their plan. And overnight they find out why this plantation was abandoned and all of this absolutely fucked up stuff starts happening to them. And I will say that the ghosts have moments of being a little too CG'd, but yeah. goddamn, some of those scares are so good. I will forgive it.
0: And, and there's other, yeah, I agree. It would be cool if you could undo a little bit and make it a little more practical, but then there's other practical gore stuff. Um, oh, that's, uh, uh, that's really good. Yeah. And it's just, it's well acted. It's got tension, it's it's hitting that great trope of like, you know, the, the robbery in the old west, but then it turns into a haunting creature feature. And it never settles on just one horror element. You keep getting different things. So this one keeps kind of reinventing itself as you watch, and I was super impressed by the end of it. I actually as soon as it ended, I thought to myself, I'd love to do a Dead Birds 2 set now. But at the house, but using the Western ghosts from that group to haunt the next group of people because it's got a, it's got that a potential because it's a great location. Yep. Um. But yeah, it, I, it's a really cool movie. So I, I, I wouldn't want to say too much more because I feel like there's you know some people who won't have seen it yet.
1: Yeah. This is this was a I think I paid two ninety nine for it on, on Amazon,
0: Amazon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, this is one if, if you have not seen Dead Birds, definitely check it out.
0: That was 2004. Okay, I interrupt this uh, you know, our, our perfectly on target um, episode with my favorite Winter Western. It's called The Great Silence by Sergio Corbucci Ooh. and this one is Jean Louis Trenchant as the sharpshooter and the bad guy, Klaus Kinski all yes. in the snow. I, I feel like this was another Influence 8 for 8, but this one what's really fucked up about it is he's a mute gunslinger. The main character is mute and he shoots the thumbs off everyone so as they'll never be able to beat him in and draw. So he'll go around and shoot their. Th- this is like his signature move. And it's a really good move. It came out on, it got a good Blu ray release last year. So that is, and I wouldn't call it horror, but it definitely is the, one of the darker westerns I've seen. Wow. I've
1: seen. Klaus so. Kinski in westerns. He's in this one called Shoot the Living, Pray for the Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or maybe really pray f- yeah, Shoot the Living, Pray for the Dead. Um, he's really good in that one as well. That's another one where it's hyper violent, like borderline kind of the cutthroats nine level of horror.
0: Yeah, which brings up the point that the spaghetti westerns, obviously Italian's version of the west, definitely strays closer to horror than the American ones ever did. The American American westerns were pretty clean cut. I mean, that's that's I think actually something worth talking about up top here was the whole idea of when somebody gets shot in a western, they hold their chest and they do a little ballet and then they fall on the ground. That was it's what all the west dust. Was.
1: It's yeah, all dust. There's yeah. no gore and
0: so it's this is significant when these two things interact. Um and we'll get to a very early example that when we get to the vampire ones, but you take the next one, because I haven't seen it in, since it came out, and I've forgotten more than I remember about The Burrowers. So bur- this
1: is The Burrowers, and I actually ended up watching this a couple of years ago again, because I enjoyed it so much. The Burrowers by J.T. Petty, and I tend to like him um, just across the board. And this is about a man, a group of men, who kind of set out to recover a family of settlers that have mysteriously vanished. And right. on the way, they encounter these underground creatures. Here's a funny story. I remember interviewing J.T. Petty when this film came out at Comic-Con mm. for Fangoria. And I remember at the time, he had apparently, as soon as he say something in the Western underground, I guess people immediately say, like, Tremors, because I remember him saying, it's about a bunch of creatures underground, and it's not fucking Tremors.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so, like, I remember feeling bad for him, like, he'd been getting that a lot. It is not Tremors. This is a completely- Especially not tonally- Yeah. Tonally completely different. The tone of this is a Western. It is toned as a Western in period. And these creatures are completely different. These creatures are not the creatures from Tremors. They may function underground, but they do. They are on land as well. These creatures look badass. I can't remember. Yeah.
0: They do look cool. Rob
1: Hall's effects house. Somebody, I can't remember exactly who did it. It may have been
0: almost human. Is that who? Um, It may have been almost human. I
1: remember seeing one of them somewhere. And I think it was at the Almost Human Studio, but they were just super creepy, really good, practical monsters. Um, so I loved the Burrowers. And it's actually, yeah,
0: she's like in the flashback stuff. Yep. I think she's not on the present from memory. But yeah, that's when I, if I'd had a little more time for this episode, because we're doing so many titles, I wanted to rewatch that because it'd been, mm-hmm. I only saw it once. Um, mm-hmm. Well, that takes us to one that I feel like is kind of given a new life to the Western horror in the last couple years, and it's one that, because it was just so ballsy, and just, uh, it, what it did is, we're talking bone tomahawk S. Craig Zahler, and why it was impressive, I think, to most people is because it brings you into just a great traditional Western with great dialogue, great characters, a a very simple mission, right, It's, it's characters on a mission, they have to get together to rescue the missing, Patrick Wilson's, uh, abducted wife, and Kurt Russell, you know, who doesn't want to watch Kurt Russell in a Western? Matthew Fox, one of the best things he's ever done, MVP, so somebody's better than all those guys in this movie and it's Richard Jenkins he should have had an Oscar nomination for because he just talks from start to end of this movie and then it goes Cannibal Holocaust and to take a movie that's this clever and well written and then let literally I showed it to people who were not horror people at one point and where a body gets ripped in half It's brutal. It takes your breath away. As a horror fan, I've got to say, it's probably still the most shocking moment I've had as a horror fan in the last few years.
1: I watched this with my in-laws, and I don't even know how that situation came about. I have no recollection of how we were all together and somebody was like, let's put on Bone Tomahawk. Um, But I just remember watching my mother-in-law go white and me questioning if she was about to pass out.
0: Yeah. Um, that's how good it is. So that's all you intense. need. To, uh but it, but it really is so well written and it's I think the characters are great and I think it really redefines what genre can be because it's really saying this is a western, this is a horror film, this is can be both things at once and it does it probably as well as anything on this list in that way in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um and it is obviously. At the end of this I just want to I'll quickly recap each title with what the horror creature was just cuz I have no idea as we're going but it'll be interesting to go oh cannibals, a vampire, demon like i'm just curious um which takes us into another one that you just uh saw recently for the first time and i'd seen a little but this when it first came out
1: almost made my top 10 list yeah I, actually movie. it may have that year
0: i think um, it's gonna be a grower that was my feeling like it's one of those ones that misses your top 10 and then like a few years later it's on your top five because it just does it well
1: I have recommended this so much, not even just as, hey, it's a good horror film and you should watch it. I find myself using this as a comp a lot Mm. when people are like, how do you do a horror film successfully with just one character? I'm always like, oh, what's that? Not Maneater. What's the one from last year? Ah, I can't remember the name of it now. It was just the dude fighting the monster by itself. Headhunter, yeah. Headhunter, thank you. Headhunter. And The Wind, how you make a horror film with one character. But I mean, The Wind has other
0: characters, okay. but but not. She. It's all focused they, on her. It's
1: all focused on her. I would say 75% of the movie is her by herself.
0: And nice, um, nicely, our second uh, Western directed by a woman, which is nice yes. on the list so far. There will be another in the vampire one, obviously.
1: So in this, it is the plains. It is frontier times. It is a husband and wife living by themselves, trying to have a baby. And this other couple, they have not seen another couple in eons. This other couple shows up next door and suddenly it's like, holy shit, there are people next door. And then the drama starts. And then this other couple's wife is like, I was given this, and it's all about the demons that haunt the plane and they're coming for all of us. In the wind. And then in the wind, they're wind demons. And then without, you know, any pause all of a sudden, she starts hearing stuff, and creepy stuff starts happening with the couple next door, and it gets weird. And, and then
0: yeah. everybody
1: takes off to town um, at one point for days, and she's left by herself. Well,
0: because there's a body thing. Yeah, there's something yeah, with a body. there's and, a body thing. But it's one of those movies that like mixes religion, madness, uh, infidelity- And that's one element and then or or a demon is the other and you can't, you know, it treads this beautiful line. No, it is. It's one I thought about uh, a lot more than liking after the fact like I thought it was really well made. But it was after it that I was like, no, that was a really interesting movie. And I kind of need to rewatch.
1: Yeah, I loved this one so much. I have to look up what that actor uh, director is doing now.
0: Well, this was, was only so, probably two years ago, so she probably is just yeah. lining up her new movie. But Emma Tammy is her name. Um, okay, so the next, the last two on this part of our list are what? I – So all of those were Western set uh, westerns, um, horror westerns set in the Old West. The next like we're two, all
1: period. Yeah. The next
0: two are little plays on that. I'll let you take. Uh, so mo- I'm calling them modern day or uh, postmodern, depending on what the the title. Uh, so I'll let you take Tremors because I know you're a tr- big Tremors fan. Um,
1: well, I don't really need to say much about Tremors. I know, you probably don't need to. Tremors, I think we've all seen, and we fucking love Tremors. And- um, Ryan I mean- from
0: Pure Cinema was just recommending everyone from Tremors 2. He's a big Tremors 2 fan. He was- uh- uh, plugging that one, so I haven't seen Tremor True in a long time, but I have to believe it. You
1: him. know, I kind of want to see the new Tremor Shriekers. Shriekers. Uh, I think
0: he gave it a decent, re- I think he gave it. Are three you stars. serious? I think okay, on, so.
1: I keep, like, Michael Gross myself.
0: is still employed,
1: yes. I keep <laughs> family ties myself do it. to watch it, and I need to see Tremor's Shriekers. But again,
0: the, this I guess what we couldn't say about it is not the plot because you should have seen Tremors. If you haven't, you should rush to see it because it's one of the best horror comedies. But it is, uh, in terms of the West, I think this is this thing we call Western. And often it's more like oh, because it's in the southwest, it's in the desert, it has that kind of, and people are shooting at things like it. That's as much as the western tropes running through it for the most part. Um, people in cowboy hats. It's it's probably a little less literally a western than some of these, but it certainly is. I think what a lot of modern films t- take that, and people will always in reviews call it a western. So it definitely fits. Um, okay well I'll take me the one that I just watched I'd never seen and always heard bad things about and really liked it so I'm, I
1: haven't seen this one I, I am so excited and
0: I've sent it to you so you can watch it at some points because it's Charlie Band produced it's called ghost town it had a really cool cover that everyone on the planet has seen before of this like skeleton and western gear and you're watching you go oh yeah I've seen that cover but I've never seen the movie maybe it's from 88. And it's basically, I mean, to be perfectly the easiest thing, it's Evil Dead meets High Noon, period. Like, it, it's not as good as either of those movies, but it is fun. So it basically starts with a beautiful woman in modern day America driving down with her Cadillac down the, down the highway. It, her car stops and you keep hearing like the sound of a, of a horse chasing her and she keeps looking like, what the hell is that? But there's nothing there. She stops, something grabs her and throws her on the back of like an invisible horse and tears away. Tidal comes up. Cuts to, like, slacker deputy in the same town, and he's shooting cans. He gets a call. Hey, you got to look into this thing. He goes, looks around, doesn't see anything. Finds this, like middle of nowhere it's not a ghost town because there's nothing really there but he stumbles upon this like weird grave and this corpse comes out and grabs him says you gotta protect my city and then dies and then when he looks up he is now back in the early 1880s and he is in a different world a trapped world of all these spirits in the ghost town that are damned there they can't get out they're conscious that they're there because the main bad guy at the time killed the sheriff some way and has damned them all to this loop and she's been abducted into that so now he's in this world up against real... They're real, they, 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 but the main guy, this guy Devlin, is slowly rotting corpse, who is also, you know, the main bad guy, and he's very over the top. He's very much like all our great late 80s, early 90s villains, um, but it's kind of kind of ugly at times, kind of mean. The effects are really fun, and, you know, I'd say the lead is pretty weak. The main deputy is just like, he looks like a pretty boy in this role, but, you know, he's trying to uh, trying to save her and get them out of this world and kill the curse, basically, and I, I don't want to run it, but to me, it was actually... I think I had low expectations because it's one of those 2.5 stars on Letterboxd for most people. And I watched it, I was like, this is super fun. Like, and it might be, this and another one on on the next part of the list are films that if I'd seen them at the time, I probably would have hated them. But seeing them now, or just not been into it because of the kind of horror I was into, but seeing them... From, from now looking back, they become a lot more fun because they're practical and they're really going for it. It's a full-on Western. That's what's cool. It's more Western than any of the ones we just mentioned because it's all the tropes of Westerns. You know, It's the shootouts, the the small town, the salon. So anyway, I highly, highly recommend uh, getting this. I know there's a Blu-ray out there. It's not streaming anywhere, unfortunately, um, but wow. it does exist. So that's Ghost Town.
1: I've never seen that one. I
0: yeah. think you would have seen the cover, though.
1: I have seen the cover. As soon as you said that, I immediately was like, oh, okay, I remember that cover, but that's about as far as it went. But this takes us to a very large subsection, which is vampire westerns. And um, yeah, we can definitely kind of discuss these more as a group and pull out some of the choice titles. But why do you think vampires, like we have a lot of vampire Westerns. I was thinking about this, like why?
0: Well, and the the big thing, not just the the fact that I put them together, but the big thing is they are the antithesis. So this is what makes it so unique. The daylight, all Westerns are basically daylight movies for the most part uh, and harsh, unrelenting sun movies. So they're the exact thing that vampires can't take. And yet all these movies find a way to play with that. Um, So I I don't know exactly why I think, but I think they all make for like, a lot of them have like groups of vampires, which is interesting, Mm -hmm. except for the first
1: one. packs of vampires. Yeah. Like setting,
0: maybe it's frontiers. They're like carving out their own niche and their their own space for their kind. Uh, a lot of them are postmodern, I'd say. Once we get through these,
1: I was um, thinking that it's still the 1800s. Like we always, when we think classic vampire, we always root him as like bougie guy in a gothic castle yeah. in the 1800s. Well, what else would they have been doing in the 1800s? Like this is the other version of those vampires. Yeah. is is old west.
0: Um, yeah. We're, I'm yeah. sure we'll find little things as we go through it. But yeah, I agree. That's why I put them together. I didn't have the clear answer. I was more like, huh, let's pull these out just to see because it feels like its own substance. So I'll start with the first one, which I, I really want you to see this one because I think for you, this one will become the kind of classic teaching movie because mm-hmm. it feels okay. a lot like a Val Luden movie. It's, it's basically if somebody had lumped it in with the Val Ludin set, you'd go, oh, it makes sense that Val Luden made this. He didn't. We it's talked probably about this.
1: On deep first. cuts, right? Yeah, because i just okay. seen it. i
0: have been looking for it for years. I finally we saw it. We paired
1: this with Pale Door.
0: Yes, we did. We did. Okay. So I finally yeah. saw it. This always happens to me. I saw it. I tracked down a copy. It was very hard to see. And two weeks later, the Blu-ray came out. <laughs> so, so I'm very happy. It's very easy for you to see now. Um, but it's for. But this is a very significant. This is marketed as the first uh, Vampire Western. So it was even marketed as this. First time a vampire. After this, there's some in Mexico that happened. But this is 1959. It's black and white. And it does it. Like, you know, I feel like it's not like some home run where people are like, wow, it reinvented, but it does it really well. It's like he is basically it's this woman who has this ranch and um, somebody is killing the cattle uh, on the outer kind of side and so she needs to hire somebody who will protect them of course she ends up hiring the very person who was doing it so he could get closer and he has this dark hat wearing he looks other you know he just looks different he's got this dark brooding kind of sexuality and of course she's dating the town preacher at the time or or good friends with him Uh, so he moves in there and then it becomes kind of like that part becomes kind of classic Dracula he is putting a spell on her he is you know draining her blood you have actual him wearing full western gear you know leaning over and draining her blood stuff that you haven't really seen in that context wow. um it has a really cool like last shot just a, like a really cool how do you mix crosses and daylight and a and a vampire it's just a really style and it's like 80 minute maybe not that 78 minutes it's that kind of feature in the same way the Luden ones is but i think this is of all the films we talk about today i feel like it's the most essential one for somebody, if they want to kind of start getting into this stuff, they should go and check that one out next because you'll see, okay, this is your classic and to see where, where things went. And it's set in the West. So this is a Western Western, unlike most of the ones we're about to talk about. Um, and it also gave me the idea that somebody could have done – because I was also thinking, yeah, are, these are obviously influenced by Universal monster movies. I was thinking of all the creatures, I feel like the werewolf would be the easiest to exist in the Western. Right. You know, And yet, yet I didn't. don't think I found one. I don't think I came up with really? a single – Uh, werewolf western that's good I mean there might be some fringe ones but I did think jokingly that somebody should have done a Frankenstein version but it's Billy the Kid so I feel like that's you bring it back. No, there's like Billy like- the Kid versus Frankenstein. That's a movie. A, famous, okay. a shitty old movie. But Billy the Kid dies and you take his brain so you can recreate the greatest shooter. That would have been cool. But anyway. Mm. Luckily I don't live in nineteen forty three where I could have pitched them. <laughs> <laughs> that.
1: That would have been it's greenlit. Oh kid, it's gold. <laughs> Get some um, hands and put him in the movie.
0: Uh but that takes us to uh one of maybe the ultimate modern day Western, probably the one of the best films on this list.
1: Yeah, and that would be Near Dark by Kathleen Bigelow. This one is – it rides the line because they are not actually kind of Western characters with the exception of Lance Henriksen definitely has this kind of Western feel to him. They're gutter punks. Like they're supposed to look like homeless kind of nomadic gutter punks, but it is shot like a Western. It is shot with shootouts and – And the setting. And the setting, And everything like that. And it is just this absolutely gorgeous setting, um, which I now want to do because, you know, I spent last week in Joshua Tree. Mm. And so which is literally like, you know, where most of these things were set, um, whether or not they were actually shot there. And so, yeah, but this is just an absolutely beautiful setting, uses all the tropes of Westerns. It's shot like a Western using these kind of like it's lost boy vampires, but in the wild west.
0: And it's roving pack of them. Yes. You get Jenny Wright, wh- who we mentioned from I am Mad recently is in there. Love too.
1: that movie. Yeah.
0: N- Near Dark is to me like a masterclass in directing. Mm-hmm. If you want to direct an action film, like watch Near Dark. It's yeah. as good as it is. Uh, then we get uh, a man who uh, was so desperate to make a Western. He made a horror Western because it's probably the only kind they would let him do. And he'd already kind of, John Carpenter had already made versions of the Western with, um, uh, assault on precinct 13 which is basically rear bravo uh, ghost of mars even has a little bit of that too yep. but
1: oh but, ghost of mars totally feels like yeah
0: i think so it's about vampires is literally a western and it is uh you've probably seen by now it's got a lot of stuff in it that i don't like it's got a lot of the characters who are just so misogynistic Van- daniel baldwin might be one of my least favorite characters to ever be on a screen he's just saying about him i can't i can't stand on this movie and he keeps hitting Lee. and just there's i know it's the point of the movie i'm not saying the movie is necessarily misogynistic but it feels that way and James Woods obviously is not aging well, um, but James Woods is fun when he was back then. He works for the Vatican with a group of people uh, who basically uh, work for the Vatican to take out vampires. And they have a long running uh, issue with this one group of sect of vampires. And it's it's got, if you watch it again, it's actually really well-directed and it's got some really great sequences. I don't think it's a great movie, but it is a really a great example of the horror Western because it's shot like a Western, but it has vampires. So it's always more of a Western than a horror film but it's got a lot of horror imagery. So um, an interesting one, if you have, if it's one of the carpenters you've never seen.
1: I have not seen the next movie, Sundown the Vampire.
0: Okay. So this is like the other one I just talked about, Ghost Town, a new one to me. I am, uh, and you you have reasons you have to see it, which is I wanted to watch this back in the day because I was a big Bruce Campbell kid. Like I was 18 and wanted to see everything Bruce was in. He's in this playing Van Helsing. David Carradine plays a character who may or may not turn out to be Dracula. Um, Um, uh, Deborah Foreman from Valley Girl uh, wearing a dress and uh, pump action gun Uh, M. Emmett Walsh from Blood Simple uh, punches somebody's head off in one scene this might be one of the most fun films I've seen this year and again it's one of those ones that people and it's directed by a little guy who only made one film you liked called Hellraiser 3 Oh shit! Uh, I know. And waxworks. I love waxworks. Uh, Anthony Hickox, uh, and it's one of those movies, real goofy, but it's basically uh, a guy has a job because um, he's. It's basically True Blood before True Blood. He's found a way to syndicate, um, synthesize, sorry, blood. He's moving to the small town that wants him. He gets there, and we realize, oh, the everyone in this town is a vampire, um, mm. and but he doesn't know that, and he's going to make it. And but what they have done, the vampires have actually been off blood for a very long time and and that's part of you can you'll be ostracized if you ever try blood they don't want to be monsters and David Carradine is the lead one and he's really cool in this because he's a good vampire basically he has nothing in him that wants to drain blood of, but unfortunately there's another faction growing in the town that's like let's lead a rebellion we want to drink people's blood and suddenly half the town are going to become blood drinkers who want to destroy the other group and the other half. And Bruce Campbell comes in as goofy Van Helsing, like uh, the great-great-grandfather, super goofy, um, kind of funny. Um, And him and the David Carradine group, uh, basically, they go to war, like just a pure Western war. Uh, There's a lot of backstory that I'm missing uh, in character stuff, but there's so many people in this. And it's just... Again, I would not have liked this in 1989. I would have thought it was stupid. Now I was like, "Oh, it's David Carradine. Oh, it's Emmett Walsh," and I was, i found it to be just fun. And it's free right now if you've got Prime. It's streaming as one of their titles um, on Amazon Prime, and I just got a total kick out of it. It's and out of all the films, again, like Ghost Town, it might be one of the best examples of like all the horror tropes, all the western tropes. The world, you know, it just kind of—it it, to the point where it's not as good a movie maybe as some of the pure westerns, but. I, I think this might be a little gem for those who don't know it and want something a little sillier, but it's also just fun, like just kind of bonkers. Um, so that is Sundown, the Vampire, and Retreat, which I had never seen.
1: Well, I think we can um, kind yeah. of move through the next two, which are uh, Dawn. Well, the first uh, one for
0: sure. The last one, maybe some people might not know it still.
1: From Dust Till Dawn, um, which I'm going to assume most people have seen. But yeah, it is just a classic kind of, you know, Um, I love all the plot twists in it, but it does end as a classic kind of shoot off Western. It's
0: definitely taking off of some of the others we've just talked about. Like it's definitely, uh, yeah, it's got a great twist if you've never seen it. And I will say you got to respect something back in the day where I didn't know that was coming when I saw this movie. And I remember being like jaw dropping twist. Quentin obviously wrote the script with Robert Rodriguez and it's just really well made. It's really fun. Still holds up now. Selma Hayek. We didn't know who she was back then. I mean, talk about a movie. You'll never forget somebody. Um, and it, and it, but it does hit all these tropes of the kind of near dark. Definitely runs through it as well. Oh
1: yeah, and then the the last one that we have on our list for horror vampires: "Girl walks home alone at night," which I think most people have probably seen. I don't. I think you.
0: I think you, that's us living in our weird horror Twitterverse because I'm telling you, this movie I don't feel it, it's an indie. I think it's still very underseen. And especially when people – because, you know, like I know, all the people we would hang out with probably have, you know, oh, yeah, they've seen this when it came out. But I, I'm telling you, I think this is still an under-the-radar film i showed it to young people no one had ever heard of it like really i, it. I no feel like one.
1: all my horror students have seen it
0: yeah i know no one i had shown it to had seen this one and so this is on a lilyamaport well it's cool because it's an iranian ghost town even though it's shot lo- largely in california but you would never know mm-hmm. uh iranian ghost star called the bad city and then there you know you've got this girl who opens on a skateboard and uh, you know listening to to music uh like kind of pop music at home and then you've got all these threads of vampirism running through it and it's shot black and white and it's got this great sound. It's just one of those movies that I always forget about. And then when I remember, I go, yeah, that's a really cool first movie. Like that is an announcement of a style that I hadn't seen before. And it's, I'd say it's different than anything else on this list. It's truly postmodern, like mm. maybe more so than any of the other without being self referential. It's just doing a whole new mix of this idea. Um, anyway, great movie and you can get a good Blu ray of that one too. A girl. Walk- hey, that's cool. We had four four directed by a woman out of yeah. that, which is actually better than some other subgenres. <laughs> that is
1: much better than a lot of other subgenres. Which is so. Cool. Looking back at this list, we yeah. have
0: had. Let's talk about um, the creatures of each one. I'm curious.
1: Cannibals. we oh, anyway, high plains
0: drifter. On- so we got ghosts. We're
1: getting out on time this week. Kane. Hold on. Hold, hold on.
0: on. High, high plains drifter. Spirit. Cutthroats. Nine. Can uh, a French extremism? Eyes of fire. Witches and other ghouls.
1: Ravenous, Ravenous Windigo. Dead Birds, Supernatural, Burrowers are Creatures, Yeah. Bone Dom, Hot Cannibals,
0: Cannibal. Wind, demon. Wind
1: Demons, uh, Tremor. Tremors are Creatures, and Ghost Town
0: is ghost, like literally ghost. vegetable ghost spirits. Interesting. And a
1: shit ton of vampires.
0: Not a lot of zombies, uh, no werewolves. No I think there- werewolves are, what I've come away from this episode is that we need a really great werewolf western horror film. Yeah. I think that'd be cool.
1: Well, thank you so much um, for joining us on our trip into horror westerns. Please let us know on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram um, if we have missed any titles that we definitely need to be checking out. Um, I've got was, one I want
0: to watch for t- a TV movie that I'm going to pull into our next deep cuts that I didn't get to, but I've always wanted to see it. So
1: There was one that I was trying to remember that we watched a couple of years ago, and I'm not even going to be able to remember it. It was something about sweat in the title where it was two people holed up in like a deserted island. It was French, I think. And then these gangsters showed up and it was very artistically shot. It was very sepia toned. Everybody was really sweaty. So can't
0: I-, I like that you're putting it out there as a well if you know the answer to this you tweet at us and you tell us the answer because I've totally can't I it.
1: can't remember the name of this movie to save our lives but it was shot like a Western it was shot like a Western on this island but it was two artists living by themselves and then gangsters show up and take them hostage oh
0: oh, I know exactly what you're talking about I fucking love that movie Um, by the people who made a mirror it's, yes. the, it's the follow-up to that. Uh, the title is escaping me. Uh, hold on. I'm not going to let us go without...
1: Well, on that, well, Elric is looking up the title for that really cool movie made by the people who made A Mare that I absolutely love. I that, love is that is movie. also, in some sense, a horror Western. It's very artistic horror. Shot like
0: a Western fun. big time. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so, And I swear it has the word sweat in the title, but I might be dreaming that or it might just be sweaty people um, because it's hot on the... Okay, album. you
0: ready? You ready? I yes. got it. Okay, so it's Hel- Helene, Cattet and Bruno Ferzetti. Let the corpses tan.
1: That's it. Okay, yes, it does not have the name Sweat in the title. but You want to hear
0: something wild about this that I just realized the other day. So I I saw this at the time and I remember thinking the lead actress who pees on the ground and is the artist in it. I was like, she's familiar. Didn't think about it again. She's nausea. Yeah, no, we knew that. I didn't remember that. We totally knew that. Really? If you listen to an old episode, you can prove me wrong. <laughs> I did. not I forgot. I was like, shit, I hadn't seen that woman since no, Naja. she's
1: like aged hot Naja. Yeah. yeah. She is. Um, but anyway, Let the corpses Is Tan. And I mean, it even sounds like a Western. It's totally shot like a Western. Even Best
0: soundtrack of the it's year. That's great. I yeah. mean, it's all repurposed, but still, mostly. Um, <laughs> uh,
1: anyways. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Let us know if we missed any titles and please join us um, in two weeks for uh, Messiah of Evil. And you can find details for that on our socials
0: we'll also have a new deep cuts coming out. There's lots of, that's where we do the weirdest stuff for Patreon. So make sure you go to that. If you want to hear basically two more episodes a month and cheat sheets and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and we also have, uh, one more episode this month coming at the very end, uh, that we will be bringing back some movie fight and bring back some deep cuts for.
1: Yeah. We've been two weeks without deep cuts. So Uh we got to get that shit back.
0: So,
1: um, anyways, have a phenomenal, uh, weekend and happy St. Patrick's day. Thank you the colors of the dark podcast is a fangoria production producers and co-hosts are rebecca mckendry and elric kane executive producers are tara ainsley and abby Gould. associate producer is jessica Saff of amir sonic branding by michael rodriguez and of course our amazing sound engineer ernie hurtado